to Pop Cult X. This is episode 38 with the Gen X guys, myself, Gabriel, and (laughs) (laughs) co-host Danny, bringing you another episode, um, which is weekly. Every every week you can find us here talking about everything pop culture, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started this week. It was a good one, so uh, let's get right to it. Did you just rebrand us as Gen X guys? (laughs) Yeah, we're the Gen X guys. That that sounds like we're like plumbers or something. When you have a leaky faucet, call the Gen X guys. Call the Gen X guys. <laughs> that's 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 fantastic. Yeah. Yes, we're the yes. best plumbers in town. <laughs> we'll get to the root of all your problems. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, TV wise, movie wise, what's going on? Would you would you see this week? Well, this week I, I watched a few things. I finished up of, um, of course, like I said, mentioned last week, the Hawkeye series. Um, mm-hmm. So that finally released their f- season finale, and it's fantastic. Love the yeah. show. Tell everyone I know to go watch it. Whether they do or not, I don't know. You should watch it at home. Go do it right now after us. But it's just <laughs> – it's just. Uh, so when the Avengers first came out – um, what, almost 10 years ago now, right? In 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, I didn't really know too much because I've been behind on my comic book viewing or reading. So I didn't mm-hmm. know too much about Hawkeye and, and whatnot. And I always slowly just watched this character evolve. And he was always just, you know, the normal guy. Yes, he was a great shot. He had a trick bag of trick arrows. But it was always just, you know, he didn't have the superpowers. He didn't wasn't a super soldier. He couldn't fly. He wasn't a god. You know, he was just the average Joe. And then, as his um, the story arc evolved, and he saw that he is also a family man, and he had this family which he keeps separate, which is cool because you know if you were involved with the Avengers, I would want to keep that like part of me separate as well. Yeah. But the series itself kind of brings it all together, Hawkeye. So they involve you learn more about his wife and they kind of tell what she's doing or kind of give her a little bit of a backstory. Um, I think it ties into what maybe a little bit of agents of shield, which I haven't watched. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's just so great. I mean, it's, and then with introduction of Kate Bishop and how he, he really struggles to become that mentor, but then he finally accepts it. And it's just awesome to watch them, especially since I'm a huge fan of the, Matt Friction, David Aja, um, Hawkeye series comic book. Yeah. So much fun. I even went and bought the whole, um, I guess this 500 page book, which has like the whole saga of Barton and Bishop. And it's just to see that from the print onto screen, know where it came from. It's just really cool. And it's, I wouldn't want to spoil it for anyone, but go watch it. Please go watch yeah. it. Yeah. The so thing great. that that I just found out today um, on Twitter was that, Kate Bishop is now rumored to be in Doctor Strange. Oh, um, wow. Okay. The news Doctor Strange film, and also reportedly going to be in The Young Avengers, which I know America Chavez is going to be in the Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. America Chavez is in the Young Avengers. So I think they're going to tie that again. That would really excite me because I'm not necessarily super big fan of Hawkeye, and, and I have yet to watch that series. Um, but I am a really big fan of The Young Avengers and that team. So- <laughs> I have a question real quick, sorry to interrupt you, about the Young Avengers, just because you're talking about that. So I was looking through the Marvel app, and I saw the Young Avengers, and I was like, oh, that's what Gabe's talking about. But it looked like they were just young versions of the characters we already know. 
but that's not what you're kind of talking about. You're talking no, about that, new, that might be something version, else. Right? This is okay. a newer version of the Avengers that are America Chavez. Like the newer troops, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. They're they're not they're new character they're not new characters. They're not um, young versions of the older okay. characters. So it's not like <laughs> the the wonder years or the, the early years of the Avengers. <laughs> Uh, which baby I'm sure they, America. Uh, they have the baby X-Men. So maybe, I don't know. Um, so I'm excited <laughs> about that. Um, I did see um, Spider-Man this weekend um, oh, cool. over the, the Christmas weekend. And it was an amazing film. It really is good. Mm-hmm. It um, did make me a little emotional at certain points, you know, without doing any spoilers <laughs> for people out there, because I, I'm there are people that are still upset about any sort of um, plot points that are being released but i i would say that there is at least maybe five times in the movie that i was glad that i was wearing a mask because i did get a little teary-eyed so i was able i was able to like push the mask up into my tear ducts to like gather any any you know wetness that was coming out of my eyeballs and i and i had a hoodie on so i was able to kind of cover up uh, but it was emotional because it, you know, spider-man is one of my favorite characters um i've i've really have enjoyed the evolution of all the spider-man films you know going back you know decade or so uh, mm-hmm. with all the different actors that have portrayed him all the different mm-hmm. you know characters that the villains all of that um really big fan well, that's not and, a spoiler anymore so we could talk about that yeah yeah so obviously there is you know two other Spider-Men that are involved mm-hmm. in, in the, uh, the movie, um, and the villains come back, you know, are, mm-hmm. are brought into the plot. Um, and so, so it was, it was really en- enjoyable to watch. It was definitely moments where the fanboys in the audience started cheering when, when certain <laughs> characters came on the screen. Um, so that's fun. Like I, that's the part of going to the movie theater that I really enjoy is mm-hmm. seeing the movie with people who love the characters who, who invested lots of time and reading the comic books or seeing the other movies. And it's like being a little kid and seeing your superhero up on screen, even though you may be yeah. like a 44 year old man, it's just exciting. <laughs> and it, it's, it's a, a, it's a good feeling to be able to see that there are like every Mar- you know, Marvel cinematic universe movie. There are, you know, posts, and credit scenes that give us a, a a hint of what's to come, and we obviously know Doctor Strange is coming, so that's not a mm-hmm. surprise or, or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it does tie some things in with you know some big possibilities that will be coming soon. Um, I'm and we already know America Chavez is going to be in it. We know the actress is playing her, so I got a little bit of a clip of that, and I'm really excited nice. to see a Latina actress being portrayed in a, another. Um, MCU movie like you know Zoe Saldana and Salma Hayek. Um, I just you know keep it coming. I read um, today that there is a possibility they might be doing a Ghost Rider movie, and there's been many iterations of Ghost Rider, many different types of Ghost Rider. You know, like mm-hmm. act, uh, people who have been the Ghost Rider. Um, one of them being a Mexican American kid um, from LA. That's the one that I'm rooting for that gets the movie. That'd be fun. I think that it'll be – I mean we've already had a couple Ghost uh, Rider movies. So I'm really excited to see what they could do with like a Latino as Ghost Rider. 
we don't talk about those ghostwriter movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. They never happen. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and if you want, if you actually want to go back and like kind of get reacquainted with the character, um, there's a run on, I want to, where am I reading it? I don't remember if I'm reading on Comixology or the Marvel um, digital app. Um, but it's it's the run starting in 2006 with Ghost Rider, okay. and it's Johnny Blaze, and um, he's battling an angel who is trying to overtake heaven, and it's it's mm-hmm. kind of it's within the horror genre, like it's it's got some kind of scary um, aspects to it. You know, obviously Ghost Rider, you know, uses the power of hell, all of that stuff. So it's kind of like obvious that it's going to have a little bit of a horror uh, spin to it. <laughs> but uh, it's really, really cool artwork and the writing is okay. really good. It's almost – I would uh, like kind of compare it to like a Quentin Tarantino movie, like a pulp I, I I use that term sometimes people get mad because they're like, oh, that's not really a pulp book or a pulp fiction type but um sort of that like exploitation era of grindhouse movies but in a comic book so i think you would enjoy it because i i know that you like quentin tarantino and um some of those same films that i like and that's kind of what it reminds me of like it's kind of like violent it has a little bit of a horror aspect to it but not you know over the top um the characters are really cool uh it has nuns that are practicing kung fu it has like <laughs> nurses that are evil and like battle in nice. like their sexy nurse costume so it's like it literally i could see quentin tarantino adapting that run of ghost rider into a movie it actually would be really exciting um so that's i recommend that to anyone that's not really familiar with ghost rider um it's a really a really good um run to go back and acquaint yourself with that character that's cool when I finish up my Daredevil that I'm currently reading, the the one that started in 2019, yeah, it's. I'm not sure if you've re- read that or not. It's fantastic. So there's you, a why lot. Why did you tell me the... earlier that there's so <laughs> many good comic books out there? My goodness, it's there's just great. This story is so well written, and it's that's one thing that I'm really is really keeping me involved with it. I mean, it's when like I think Kingpin becomes mayor of New York City, right? So mm-hmm. it's yeah. just really cool. So that's what I'm reading right now, too. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I'm always excited when someone gets into comic books and, and starts <laughs> reading because, I mean, they, they as much as the, the movies are, are making a bazillion dollars, um, the format of the comic book itself is something that I'm still a fan of, like the artwork and the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. I want the popularity to translate to the comic books because I want them to be able to still – strive and it's still being a valid format um for those that storytelling um and not just for movies so definitely recommend everyone to go to their local comic book store buy comics you know go to the the uh trade paperback area where they collect like you know issues or popular runs of the series Mm -hmm. um so you can kind of just read it's it's a good entry point where you can go oh like what are the avengers about let me get this trade paperback or what about daredevil or wonder woman um and it's a good you know like a beginning and an end almost where you can read it and get really Mm -hmm. acquainted with those characters so which for me was is why the um, Marvel Unlimited or the Comixology or even to an extent the DC version yeah. apps are so great because mm-hmm. you have access to 25,000 plus comic books right on your device. So if you're like me who 
didn't really grow up reading comic books because I didn't really have the funds to go read them. I wasn't there really like some other people at the store just browsing until you got kicked out or whatnot. Um, mm. To go back <laughs> – <laughs> to go back and be able to read these and really explore all the different kind of stories that are out there. It's mm-hmm. great. Really yeah. great. I yeah, did watch uh, Venom though. Oh, nice. Okay. How did – how was Venom that? Venom 2. I guess it let yeah. there be carnage. <laughs> that was fun. So if you're a fan of the first Venom, you'll be a fan of the second one. I really enjoyed the banter between Venom and his host, Eddie Brock. It's mm. just the back and forth. That's just what cracked me up the whole movie. I mean, the story itself, you know, it's it was good, but it 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 was just the back and forth between them that really kept it kept me involved in the movie. I, and whenever I hear Venom's voice and his little quips and whatnot, I always picture Duffman from The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I just got a kick out of it every time he would say a one-liner, and it was just like, "Hey, that's like Duffman." So I don't well, know. And, and to be honest, that's the reason why I haven't watched it is because I'm not a fan of the voice. I, okay. it's, it's such an odd. It's like it's kind of unintelligible for me. Like where I, you really kind of have to like concentrate on what he's saying to understand him, and it's too cartoony for me um i don't know what i would want that to sound like but it's like (laughs) it it makes you laugh when you hear it but then like do i want to sit down and watch an hour and a half of like that voice um it's just like a little (laughs) much i don't know yeah i can understand what you're saying there but it's worth it i think it really is i i I love you know the the actor that plays eddie brock like he's one of my favorite actors he's really good yeah um and and so I will watch it. It's just that voice really is. It, Put it subtitles on like and mute it. Yeah, like it's just like it's too. I don't know. Like there's something about it. It's sort of like the guy that does the voice on Big Mouth. The um, yeah, I know you talk Jason yeah. Sudeikis. Yeah, I know you no, don't not like Jason Sudeikis. It's it's um, no, not Jason. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's like Armenian or something. Like yes, oh, Tavakian or something. I, no, I don't I know, know, but his voice just annoys me, and that's. <laughs> It would be really funny to find out that he's like the voice of Venom or something. <laughs> like, oh, that's why I don't like Venom's voice. <laughs> and we've had that conversation before earlier in our in our podcast run that I, you don't really like him, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry about it. <laughs> um, but another movie that I saw that does have really great voice actors in it is. Um, Disney's Encanto, which is on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was at my mother in law's, so we were watching like family friendly. Actually, we didn't watch a movie. We watched one movie that was very much not family friendly, and then we watched <laughs> a Disney Plus movie because I'm like, oh, let's you know, let's be nice and um, watch a family friendly movie for her because Wait, the what was the unfamily friendly movie? So the first <laughs> one that I we watched <laughs> was <laughs> the bitch that stole Christmas, and it's. Um, RuPaul and a bunch of drag queens like do a Hallmark Christmas movie. Nice. But with drag okay. queens. And so <laughs> the first thing she's asked is like, is that a man? And it's like, yeah, that's a man. And that's a man. That's also a man. That's not a man. That's a woman. That's a cis woman. And and so it was kind of funny watching with her. But I think she did enjoy it. I mean, she's no prude or, you know, innocent. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But it was definitely something that was not a traditional Christmas movie, right, which I right. like. It was kind of hilarious. It was funny. I think it's a classic. It's sort of like 
National Lampoon's Christmas, fake yeah. Christmas, whatever that Vacation. is, special. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's not necessarily a family friendly. It's very, you know, college humor. That's kind of what I like to watch during the holiday season. I guess sometimes so. when they're a little more outlandish, they they resonate more because you know it's not the traditional, like you said, lovey dovey. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I also, so anyway, so getting back to the Disney family friendly one <laughs> is I watch Encanto, which, um, is really good. I, I, so the, the, let me say the, what I liked about it, what I loved about it, actually, the visuals are really great. It's very colorful. Um, the music is great. Lin-Manuel mm-hmm. Miranda, again, doing a fabulous job of yeah. creating music and, and lyrics, um, I think Carlo Vives has also um, worked with him on the music. Um, okay. Great music. Um, the actors were great. John Leguizamo's in it. A um, lot of uh, Colombian, Colombian-American actors portrayed the characters. The characters themselves were very diverse. Um, okay. There were uh, representation of like pretty much all a lot of – the spectrum of being Latinx or Latino, whatever, you know, you want to use the term. Um, you had people that were Afro-Latino, people that looked, you know, maybe a little bit more what we would consider, you know, traditionally Latino, which is not really what I want to say. But, you know, the, the <laughs> regular, you know, people that you see that are like light brown skinned people. Um, but you also had dark skinned people, people with curly hair, people with straight hair. Um, so it very much reminded me of my own family. Um, that, you know, just uh, have a variety of different people, different looks, um, personalities. Um, the thing that was interesting about this one, and I won't go too deep into the plot because I don't want to ruin it for you so you can watch it. But whereas Coco had like the really great Nana, like Nana Coco, um, mm-hmm. she was like the good Nana. This one has sort of <laughs> a not so nice of Abuelita. <laughs> like she's kind of like the gr- mean grandmother. Um, well, and it... And it reminded me again of mine because I had like an angel perfect grandma and then I had a not so nice grandmother. Um, <laughs> and so it was very accurate. And um, I even teased my dad about it, of like it being super accurate. And um, it talks to the expectations that families specifically within the Latin culture or Latino culture have for their children and have like very high expectations. And mm-hmm. sometimes it being sort of um, – it it being very traumatic for an individual to not meet those expectations and being kind of a black sheep or being like not the golden child. Um, Very much, you know, true to my family and my grandmother um, having favorites and having people that weren't favorites and having people that were ostracized. And, um, and so it, it comes down to the plot comes down to like intergenerational trauma and how oh, the family okay. deals with that and how it overcomes it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like a really mature, uh, topic for Disney to kind of tackle in a cartoon, that is, Yeah, wow. um, but they do it in a really smart way. It's still family friendly. It's still fun. Um, but it, it does have like a really you know, important message. And it it's kind of, it's cool. Like, I mean, you don't really get that sort of depth from a cartoon. So I really did like that. Some of the writing and the plot, you know, is not the greatest. I wouldn't say it's like the best film of 2021 um, by no means, <laughs> but it is very entertaining. The music is entertaining. I think people will watch it and be very entertained by um, the music and the colors and the animation style. 
Um, lots of funny characters. Um, so, you know, kudos to them. And again, like Lynn having another knock out, you know, <laughs> what happens his- when, when he <laughs> doesn't live up to that standard, he's the bar he keeps setting. I mean, I'm just, I just thought about that right now. It's like, has he had a bad, you know, film or show or writings or anything? It's like, I can't think I'm not of like a yet. super fan of his. So like, I can't say I've seen everything. I, I mean, some people do think that Hamilton is overrated, but overrated is not bad. It's just that right. it's super hyped. So, right. I mean, I don't think you can say that he's done anything bad. I, I mean, know, it eventually it'll happen where, you know, it just, you can't please everyone. And, you know, maybe when he gets, Older, he'll want to do things that you know maybe are a little bit more experimental or not like so expected of him. And and maybe, I think yeah. that's where yeah. where people you always get artists that like become you know they're true to who they are. They start, but then they get an audience that starts to expect the same thing because people want the same. They they're you know they don't necessarily want to see them recreating the wheel every time they see their film mm-hmm. and so they mm-hmm. kind of want to see the exact same thing over and over again so i think eventually he'll come to a point where like he does do something that's really unexpected and then some of his fans may say like oh i didn't like that but yeah. he's such a talented person i think that you know i i am betting on him being you know in the top for de- for decades like he's just he's our new genius i mean he's just an icon he's going to be putting out good stuff forever and and such a good role model um for the latino community it's it's amazing Mm -hmm. that we have someone so talented like that so it's great yeah i'm glad he's leading the march yeah definitely yeah Yeah, and another thing that's kind of interesting is it's kind of controversial is that some of the characters in in kanto are being labeled as gay by some people in the gay community and there are some people that are like accepting it like oh yeah that character does make sense if they were gay and other people are like you know what like this is about family trauma and how it impacts other characters like don't add more to it that's not there just because you want to see that i kind of see it both ways i think that um if a character if if you want to see it in that light, if you see a character in, the, in that movie and you think, oh, that's very similar to my experience as like maybe a lesbian, um, then good. And that's how you can relate to the character. Um, I, I think that if if it has not been said by the writer or the filmmakers that that particular character is lesbian, let's say, then, I mean, it can live in, in like that in your head. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. need to be validated for it mm-hmm. to have that impact on your life and for it to speak to your life experiences. And then on the flip side of that, like if you don't want to see it that way because it doesn't relate to you and you want to look at it at a different way, like go ahead. That's the great thing about art is that yeah. it's subjective. And yeah. if you relate to a character that is speaks to you and your experience, cool but because humans are humans and they want to get on twitter and make things black and white people Uh, are like nope this person's definitely you know a lesbian nope this person is is not a lesbian it's like it could be both and especially if the filmmakers leave it vague and they don't mm -hmm. define the character's sexuality why can't it be both if for one person it can be a lesbian for the other person 
it can't. It, it could just, you know, speak to the Latino, you know, family experience. So um, that's right. something that's kind of interesting. I think that people need to stop thinking in such, you know, black and white terms of like, it has to be this way. Mm-hmm. A part of me thinks that it's because people are so desperate for to for representation within popular culture that they want to see a character that's a lesbian that, you know, it is in a Disney film. They want to see, you know, uh, a Latino character and they don't want it to necessarily be labeled as as lesbian. Not that they're saying that that would be negative, but they're like, we want it to just be about the Latino family. Um, right. It's just, you know, let it let it speak to you the way it speaks to you. And, and if someone doesn't see it that way, it's fine. Just enjoy it, you know, like and I think that's where like fan fiction and um, is really kind of cool is that if you want to write a fan fiction story on a character that you think might be a, a LGBT character, do it. And then you'll find other people that like it. They'll read it. And to you in your little community or your bubble it can exist in that way. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, but you don't yeah, have to necessarily like go back and say like, oh no, Pinocchio was definitely, you know, uh, a bisexual puppet. Like, it, you know, whatever it like, you can, you can see things from your perspective. And, and because I think that because in storytelling, like the underdog or the person that is facing trauma or an obstacle can be applied to so many things, right? Like you can compare it to being a member of the LGBT community. You can compare it to the Latino experience. You can uh, compare it to being Jewish. And, And it's because we are all part of that minority experience where we feel, uh, oppression and we're Mm -hmm. overcoming that. Um, but it doesn't, a character doesn't necessarily need to say like, this is specific to the Jewish community. It can, it can be applicable to everyone. Um, and that's why I like that. It's kind of vague, because then a lot of people can relate to it in their own way. Yeah, and I think that's important. I mean, a well-written story will, I guess, and most times leave it up to the viewer to interpret it mm-hmm. and how they want to apply it to themselves and how they can see themselves in that character, even if it's a different race or a different um, gender or whatnot. They can still feel those, um, maybe the, the odd man out type thing where they can still relate to who that person is because they've been through something similar and even if it's not directly but it's still something similar so i think that's really cool yeah so on, on the flip side of of diversity in films and television uh, and and actually you know it doing a good job we have the and then it or what what is it called and, and just, just like, like that. that yeah and just like that <laughs> sex in the city whatever you want to call it um is the polar opposite of Encanto in which they're doing such a horrible job of bringing in people of color and of different, you know, gender expressions of different, you know, um, facets of life into their, their show. Um, it's so, I just recently watched the, the most recent episode and one of the characters who is sort of the upper cross society girl who's, you know, who's married to a Jewish man who converted to Judaism is wanting to become a friend with a black person. That's like the story Mm -hmm. arc is I want a black friend, which is already kind of cringy, (laughs) but it it is whatever. So then you, you have her forcing her husband to read about black culture so that he can carry a conversation with black people. You have her, 
worried about having a party and only having one black friend. So they're trying to make other black people oh, come to man. their party. So that and then she goes to a party, sees a black woman, calls her the wrong name. The implication being like, oh shit, like, am I making that person think that I think all black people look alike? And mm-hmm. It just it's so it's so bad. And I already talked to this about this on our on on one of our previous episodes where I'm like, it it's it's like it's almost telling people of color, this is why white people don't try to hang out with you because it's so hard and and it's so like you make it so difficult for us to be your friend because it's we have to um uh, find our way through this this difficult passage of how to communicate with you and it's like why can't you just talk like a normal person like i don't know why they're making it so weird and so cringy for these people to have like people of color in their life like or a lesbian or a non-binary person like they're every episode is them doing something super awkward and cringy and and i'm like i don't get why this particular character, she's an art dealer. So she's dealt with people, artists, gallery right, owners, right. like art right. dealers. You don't mean to tell me that she hasn't dealt with anyone that's African-American, that's, <laughs> that's you know, Latino, that's gay, lesbian, whatever. And that now she's like, oh, I don't know how to talk to them. And like, and it just, it's so weird. And that these characters were like in New York for their, the majority of their life. And they're now in their fifties and sixties. And they're now starting to get friends within you know, a different, (laughs) in in a different community. It's so Uh weird. It's so like, I would have rather they have just been like, Oh, this is my longtime friend that I've never introduced you guys to. We've been friends since high school. Now let's just go on with the plot and have a black person in it Mm -hmm. versus like them showing this path of them trying to make friends with people. It's it literally that's the plot is like, let's see how these people can become friends with, a, uh, a non-binary um, uh, person and uh, African-American woman and a, a Middle Eastern woman. Let's see how that plot plays out. And it's like, it's so weird. Like, why is that what they chose to do with these characters that they've invested all this time and money and effort into developing? And it has such a huge fan base. And it's the worst. It's literally probably the worst thing I've watched this oh, year. Oh man. And I keep watching it. Cause I keep thinking like, it's got to get it's better. It's going to get better. It's going to yeah, get better. <laughs> like it has to have like a breakthrough where I'm like, Oh, there's the humor. There's the irreverence that they've had before. And like the sexiness or whatever. And it doesn't come. It's just like one cringy thing after the other. And, um, it just, it's bad. It's it's honestly like I'm going on record and saying it's probably the worst show of 2021 by far. Wow. Wow. It's just horrible. Is it a different set of writers than the original no, show? I don't I don't I don't think so. Like I looked at the writer and there was, I think this last episode I noticed that it wasn't I think the guy who does it is the creator is Michael Patrick King or mm-hmm. MPK. And he's the creator of the Sex and the City show, writer and, and frequently I think the director too. And one of the things that I was talking about today is even the actresses, like they know that character, they played them for de- like a really right. long time, right? Why wouldn't they speak up and say, this doesn't seem true to their voice or their character? Like Charlotte has lived in New York and has been in uh, circles of artists and 
influencers and, and, you know, she's, I think she's on the board of directors of the Met. You mean to tell me that that character would not know how to talk to black people? Like, right. That, it's, it's weird. So silly. It's so yeah. silly and so ridiculous that the other character, uh, um, the lawyer, she's also like stepping over her own words and doesn't know how to talk to a black person. And it's like super awkward. And it's like, it, it, do I, ha- do I have a different alternate reality multiverse version of New York that I went to. Cause when I went to New York, it's, it's super a very diverse. diverse place. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have Jews, you right. have Latinos, you have Afro Latinos, you have Hasidic Jews, you have regular old white people, you have Mexicans, <laughs> Colombians, Haitians. like, you know, like yeah, I saw I everyone. And, yeah. and, um, that was like on one trip to like the bagel place. Like, let alone to a museum or anywhere else. Like you can't help but be surrounded by a diverse group of people. Um, But yet these characters somehow magically didn't like, it's so odd. It's weird. It's so cringy. It's the worst. And I, and I don't want to say it like in a politically correct, like, Oh, like, you know, their intentions are to try to bring diversity into it because I think they listened to the criticism that so many shows from the nineties were so whitewashed and just so Mm -hmm. white friends, Seinfeld sex in the city. And it was like, okay, well let's try to bring, but like they could have just done it in such a better way. And like, I don't know how they went about it. I would love to hear if they brought in, you know, young people of color, you know, lesbians, gay people, uh, non-binary people and said, this is how we talk. This is what our community is about. Like, or if they just assumed like, oh, this is how people talk. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, or even just stick to older people having sex. Like they're all coupled up, you know, Carrie, her husband died, but show them like what it's like for an older couple to have a relationship and, Mm -hmm. you know, they can still be sexy and, and, you know, it, but they, it's just, it's not, it's, it's uh, a mess. I, I really don't recommend anyone watching it, especially if you're a fan. I, I haven't searched the, you know, the uh, opinion of the people who've been watching it and maybe who fans are, it has to be horrendous. I really can't, I, I would be shocked if I'm the only one that is this disappointed and mm. disgusted or just ashamed and embarrassed to be watching it because it's so so bad did you watch it you're like no no it's bad like i i know so many people that have just like i watched the first and second episode and i stopped because i just couldn't watch it like i i couldn't continue and i'm really hoping that somehow it magically changes in like the fifth sixth episode i don't know how how many episodes are going to do and if they're going to continue, if if their intentions were that maybe it was going to keep going for multiple seasons, I'm sure HBO is going to be like, uh, uh, sorry, you guys did not. <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> nope. So, you know, I'm sorry for that. I feel bad for the actresses because, you know, roles for women of that age are few and far between. And, and mm-hmm. I had really high expectations of them being able to kind of see their adventures in their 50s. And how that could have been really interesting, but they really dropped the ball in this. So, oh man, you, oh. you said um, '50s and '60s, and it just reminded me of that show. I think it's on Netflix, uh, Grace and Frankie. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've seen that show or not, but it's it's quite interesting as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that it. I think I, 
they could have done something similar to Big Mouth where it's like, you know, reliving the, the puberty era of your, your teenage years and like how hilarious is that? And mm-hmm. <clears throat> share with younger people and, you know, kind of celebrate what it's like to be someone who's 50 that, you know, you've worked hard. You have like a certain level of success that young people don't yeah. have. Right. You know, you own your house, you you have your career, whatever. And, and how you battle, you know you keeping your romance in your relationship or how you battle your grown teenage children and their emerging identities. And there's certain glimpses of that within the show. Um, some of the characters, you know, they have a teenage son, they have young children, um, and they sort of go into some of the obstacles of having that type of interaction with those, the, their kids. But it's like, they're somehow focusing on these, this the other you know that i already mentioned and, <laughs> right, right and it's like i would have just much rather them have introduced the characters up oh, this is you know the new character that's going to be on board let's just go on with the plot right. uh, similar to the way you make friends in real life like you don't you integrate them into your life but you don't do the things that these characters like i don't ever recall sitting down and like okay i'm gonna have dinner with danny and christina i'm gonna go have to read an article about um, the history of Jewish literature, just in case he brings up how to be a Jew. Who does that? Who does that? I don't know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, the people on the show, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Or maybe the writers do. I don't know. That's because you're supposed to write what you know, and maybe that's what they do. I don't know. That's just yeah. weird. I mean, bring, I, bring my I, dad, my dad over to your guys' house. Dad, don't bring up the... <laughs> Don't bring, Don't up, bring the up the Holocaust or anything. <laughs> 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 on the Holocaust day. <laughs> I know you like to get into Auschwitz talks here, but don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Let's not bring up Diary of Anne Frank this time around. Come yeah, on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stick to hot topics, Dan. <laughs> yeah, it's it, but it, it literally is that. So anyway, it just it's horrible. It, that's on my list of the worst of 2021 for sure. Number one. And just like that, they made it to the top of the list of the worst. Congratulations. And just like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Harry <laughs> <Jessica Parker. laughs> well, you said the list, so you're endless. So this mm-hmm. is the last episode of 2021. So we were planning everyone out there to give you our great top 100 movies of the year. But we're not going to do that. We're going to spare yeah. you that. If you want to see those, if you're, if we get enough popular feedback or comments, say, hey, what were your favorite movies? We'll put them out in our in a blog post on our website. But what yeah. I would like to do, and I'm just kind of springing this on Gabe right now, is that I want to know how pop culture and our podcast has influenced him this year, and because I want to, and how it's what he's taken from it this year, and I'll give my little feedback too, and what he's looking forward to in the future. So as opposed to we're looking back at 2021, what are we looking forward to coming up in 2022? So let's just keep moving forward. So Gabe, with that in mind, what sort of um, takeaways have you gotten from this podcast over the past 37 episodes? And how are you hoping to shape that into the next year? Well, I think that the biggest lesson that I've learned in 2021 with regards to pop culture and this podcast is we were very fortunate to speak to a lot of creators, a lot of writers, artists, Mm -hmm. designers, 
um, people that are are leaders within their their film and their in, their industry, right? And the thing that really spoke to me is that they have a very honest voice. They speak to, mm-hmm. you know, their experience, whether it be a plus size person and, and the body acceptance movement, whether it be as um, a Latinx person, uh, you know, a gay Latinx person, um, a Cuban American person, um, an ex-military, a veteran, mm-hmm. um, all you know, all the different people that we've had on the show. And They've all brought their experience into their world or into their industry and in their work and been able to create something that they kind of were looking for in the world. They wanted to see fashion that was uh, ethical, that was um, designed for people of all sizes. So they went out and did it. They wanted to see Mm -hmm. comics that were science fiction mixed with fantasy, but also had characters that were Latinx. So they did it. Um, and that inspired me that, you know, for many years as someone who has like such been a fan of pop culture, I've always been very hopeful, like, okay, I hope that the MCU brings in a Mexican superhero. Um, I hope that I get to see a comic book that has more Latinos in it. And now I realize like, okay, if you want to see that, put the work out, create it. You know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Hollywood or Marvel or DC or the fashion industry, they're not going to necessarily do what you want or what you need. So maybe the, 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 you know, the choice for you is to go out and do it yourself and become the hero for other people. You know, if you want to yeah, see a comic yeah. book that, that you want to read, go and make the comic book that you want to read. If you want to see, a, you know, a certain particular garment, create the garment that you want to see at the store. And so it's been really inspiring for me. It, I think that I've changed my direction within photography yet again um, to be <laughs> a little bit more honest to what my interests are versus wanting to edit my voice to be more marketable or to be more um, digestible for the mass mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I've gotten a fairly positive reaction to what I've put out thus far. Um, oh, cool. And, and it's because I think that I'm being honest with what I want to put out and I'm not editing myself and I'm not fearful of what other people will respond because I'm like, if it's not for you, it's not for you. That's it. But I want to put out the content yeah. that I want to see and hopefully it will find an audience. And I think that that's what, what people respond to is when they see that you're passionate about something or that you're speaking from an honest place, as opposed to like trying to create work that you think people want from you. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's what I, that's what I've learned in 2021 is like, <laughs> do what you want to do to create the work that you want to see. If it's not out there, do it. Um, whether it be comedy, fashion, I mean, oh, we talked to so many interesting people that have created such interesting work um, that represent so many different facets of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really inspiring for me um, and taught me a lot, you know, even at this old age, um, to be able to to take their experiences and the lessons that they're teaching us and, and you know, implement it into my own life. So. Yeah, that's what I've learned. (laughs) How about you? (laughs) Very cool. Well, for me, I mean, I think back to our first episode when we talked about 
what does pop culture mean to us? Mm-hmm. And and I said that, you know, it's like a a sense of getting together over a common things. So even if we come from various backgrounds, we might have an enjoyment over a Marvel movie or a Batman movie coming out. So we can leave those um, differences aside and come together and view that. And that's what pop culture means to me. And I think throughout this year, and we've talked to so many various people with so many various viewpoints that it just really heightened that even more mm-hmm. because what one person's perception of what, how a story goes or their take on pop culture, not even pop culture, just how their, what their story is and what they want to tell is completely different from the other person that we talked to, but both of them are right. Mm-hmm. And it's cause like you said, it's their experiences and the fact that they're brave enough to share those experiences and share their viewpoints and their story with us and the rest of the world is just so motivating to me because I, I personally, I feel like I have a lot I want to tell, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I've been silencing my own voice for too long because I don't feel like it may fit in with anyone out there, but who cares if it does or doesn't, if I have a story I want to tell, go tell it. And at least you, I would be able to release that story and, you know, and if it finds a home, great. If not, at least I would tell telling my voice. So I think that's what I learned the most is to be able not to silence myself or like you said, edit or not to mute myself and just to just go for it and just do it. Yeah. And how, how great that we've had this platform to be able to share our opinions over the Mm -hmm. last year over, you know, 38 episodes of this podcast, we've been able to share our opinions, you know, our perspective, our, you know, some of our life stories are, you know, where we come from, how we view things. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's helped me, it's helped me open up, I think even more to share what I think about things and not be afraid of the consequences of, yeah. Yeah. you know, people thinking that you're weird or different or whatever. <laughs> um, because I, you know, I think that, that, you know, everyone does that. Everyone's kind of slightly afraid of, you know, being outside of, um, mm-hmm. what's normal. And, yeah. um, but the people that are groundbreaking, the people that actually create and, um, contribute to society in a positive way are the ones that are unafraid to go against the, mm-hmm. the stream and, mm-hmm. um, are groundbreakers. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm excited for 2022. There's a lot of stuff that I want to create and accomplish and I'm excited for, to see the work of other people. That's another, honestly, that's another lesson that I've learned is that, um, and I think that I've done this a lot in the past to a certain extent, but more so now and in the future, um, really being supportive of other creators and other artists Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and making sure that you support their artwork just as much as you want to receive support. Um, and so, you know, I, when I see someone doing a great job, whether it be in writing or film or poetry or whatever, like I, I am making a conscientious effort to like be vocal about, you know, how much I like their stuff, if I can buying it. Um, and, and allowing them to, to move forward within their career, because it's so important that we support those people versus, you know, just supporting Marvel or Fox or Disney. Uh, (laughs) there's lots of, you know, people that are creating things on a local level that are 
great that are ge- genius that are brilliant that that need to know what they're doing is really great and need our support so um that's something else that i'll continue to do in the future in 2022 that's, that's very which important. seems insane <laughs> it <laughs> sounds insane to be saying that 2022 but well, are yeah. we going to say 2022 or are we going to say 2022 I, i'm saying 2022 is that is it 2022 I, I like the ring of 2022. We'll have a fight about it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I never really thought about it. I just 2022. I I mean, I don't know. It's it. The thing that makes me kind of like blows my mind is that I know that other generations will be looking back at us the way that I looked at people who lived during the 20s and like how odd, like how like. <laughs> yeah, like, I know what you mean. I know the, what you mean. You know, like we're like the Groucho Marx and like the silent movie era of the people in the future that will be looking back at the 20s. That's crazy mm-hmm. to me. Like, <laughs> It <wow>. is crazy. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I mean, think about it. Our podcast, should it live on forever when people in uh, what 80 years from now or even 50 years from now will be like what are they doing? What are you talking yeah. about? You know, and they're like, cause now they probably don't have screens. It's all like inputs into their directly into their brain or something. It's just like, I don't know. It's just going to be. They'll just crazy. be plugged into the matrix. Directly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Getting pumped, um, you know, marketed commercials and I don't know, being their energy and blood being produced into some sort of product that companies can sell or I don't know, like something, <laughs> something weird. It's just real on a tangent real quick. It's California. I was reading about California new law about composting. Mm-hmm. And I guess you guys in California now have to compost starting in January of 2022. Yeah. See, not 2022, 2022 yeah. <laughs> where, um, you have to separate your food waste from regular waste. And I was reading a little bit about the science behind it, and it's fascinating because when food waste is mixed in with the regular um, garbage, it creates mm-hmm. more methane gas, which we mm-hmm. know is a very negative climate change gas, you know, like think mm-hmm. like cow farts, <laughs> right? Yeah. So when they separate it out, they can take that carbon and put it back into the earth a or B capture it and use that gas to fuel the garbage trucks of the future. Huh? So it's like a full cycle thing. So I thought that was really fascinating. So it's really cool. I wish they would do something like that here in Nevada, but it's really cool. So just a little, you know, the more, you know, moment. Yeah. Like maybe they could recycle all the bullshit that like Republicans (laughs) and conservatives create in the world. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think they'll feel big the, enough for that. <laughs> recycle it into like a machine that I don't know, does something positive in the world. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, with that, I mean I'm super stoked for for 2022. Um, <laughs> I, I, I I'm really excited. Yeah. I hopefully everyone is healthy and this pandemic thing gets put to bed and is under wraps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, it, it just, I, I'm exhausted from it. Um, and so hopefully just nothing but positivity for everyone, all our listeners and subscribers um, for us and for you. Um, hopefully lots of, of really positive and good things come out of next mm-hmm. year. Um, and yeah, I know there's going to be a lot of good pop culture coming out. So that, that's there something is. to look forward to, right? 
right? <laughs> so everyone have a happy and safe new year and we will catch you next year. 2022. 2022. <laughs> Bye everyone, stay safe.